We were wondering, like, what was this idea of being self-organized? And we were wondering, how is self-organization within the Dutch art scene? And we started with a lot of, like, Amsterdam-based initiatives. But after this whole conversation and this symposium, more, much more questions, like, popped up and about self-organization and about the value of self-organization in an art scene and ma and ba mainly i think like talking out like how to build community and how to build networks around these conversations and this when this opportunity appeared of creating a new format that was going to talk about self-organization so we decided to expand it to expand ourselves Welcome to Boyd. We don't know which number because well, we don't know where in this is gonna go to air. But uh, today we are together because we wanted to use this space to continue with what we have been doubting lately. We met actually in a self-organized exhibition that we made or some people made some months ago, and a symposium about self-organization was held in the frame of this uh, exhibition. What was the name of it? Of the exhibition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time is an unrenewable resource and you know how we are with those. Well, this exhibition was self-organized within a studio in the west of Amsterdam and a lot of questions about self-organization were popping between us as a group. And the idea or like this format of a symposium came up And we invited multiple self-initiated um, or self-organized initiatives mm. to come together and talk to us. And they were broadcasted on radio that you can listen to the SoundCloud with all of the record of this uh, to talk about what is being self-organized. And what is the urgency. And what is and the urgency. why do people do it. And why, exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and how is it and how is like to be friends and then become like colleagues and stuff like this. So as a teaser, just to uh, give a hint who we spoke to, W139, Hotel Mokum, Dead Darlings, Mertens Framers Project Space by Plan B, Renene, Punt WG, Tilde, Forbid Gallery from OT301, and us, because we also self-organized. Exactly. <laughs> so we were wondering like what was this idea of being self-organized and we were wondering how is self-organization within the Dutch art scene and we started with a lot of like Amsterdam based initiatives but after this whole conversation and this symposium more much more questions like popped up and about self-organization and about the value of self-organization in an art scene and ma and ba mainly I think like talking out like how to build community and how to build networks around these conversations and this when this opportunity appeared of creating a new format that was going to talk about self-organization so we decided to expand it to expand ourselves to like other cities and a specific like situation so we invited three project spaces Well, I think actually uh, in the first symposium, we invited them to come to us. But mm -hmm. in this format, we went to their spaces to exactly. talk within the places where they actually do the work, which was a lot of fun. Totally. Yeah. It was in fun. Rotterdam we went to and Amsterdam. But that being said, but they weren't in Amsterdam, most of them. So we went to Rotterdam and it was like a fun experience to go to their places. One of them does not have a place anymore. The or it really wasn't meant to have a place from the beginning and the other one we were in the place having the conversation the first space that we're gonna look into or that we visited was Butu this is a collective of Readville students and graduates um, who were wondering out how to self-organize and how to like use what they have near to them this was a, a kind of a studio space that was open to them and mo and all of them like ca came together with a lot of questions after being like after being outside in the void of being graduates. Well, 
<laughs> we all know the void. Uh, I'm very curious who is Butu and uh, how do they start? Uh, how did they start and how do they self-organize? Yeah, or uh, yeah, we are Butu. We started this project space in January 2022. Actually, a little bit before we already started talking about yeah the potential that this space has. And so we are here in the mall center in the Point Pi uh, mall center. And we have also studio spaces in this uh, building. And we had, uh, uh, yeah, this, the ground floor was always, it's always been empty for some, like since I knew. And, yeah, and, uh, it's like storage. Yeah, and in December we started, uh, yeah, the, talking about what we could do. And just, yeah, we felt like it could be interesting to open it to the public since it's such a particular spot. So you were friends from before? It kind of started from sharing the studio space together. Like we yeah. kind of like dropped in one by one into this studio space, and then we all kind of saw that there's like potential. Yeah, apart from Adri, Adri doesn't have a studio space yet, and we saw that there's like potential in uh, turning the space into something. And there's also other people who are who were not involved into turning the space into the what is now cool too. Uh, And how and what shows do they organize? We had a calendar and we invite people to like put in when they want to have a show and then yeah. everyone put in like loads of shows and then we were like... Well, we have like a show every week for a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> So what happens to the calendar? So we, we can't so really go back. Yeah, it fits there. We, it's vaguely, we kind of stuck to it. You are doing this to create like space for others, not necessarily to curate your own selves. No, no, we're not curating. Yeah, we're not, it doesn't have to, we're not curating. Yeah. And it's not really fun. It's just like facilitating for others to do stuff. Yeah. 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 And it's, I think we like the idea of inviting, we really like, friends and artists to do a show also with other people. We it's kind only of, group shows. It's only group shows. That's a bit the only selection we did, but there's also like, and we didn't invite any like curator. I, I, I did thought that, for instance, Butu was one of the project spaces who like did everything more intuitively, like starting with this calendar and then like opening up and just like understanding what was their position. They just started from an idea that was really big and they become like some sort of programming around this. Mm. But it always comes from like a super naive position. The calendar seems pretty dangerous because as they said, it filled up very fast to almost more than, than they could handle. But it also gives you an idea of how much need there is for space to, to show things in, a, in this intuitive way. Yeah. Mm. And are they making uh, links with the neighborhoods where they're located? I, I, f I thought it was going to be like, I don't know, it's like communal. I also saw this thing with like the neighborhood in my head or something. Like, I don't know. And it kind of happened in a different way, I feel like, than I had in my mind, you know. But I think it's just like wanting, like, yeah, I definitely. But of, you have struggled with like, uh, like I think that communities around like project spaces or like art spaces are like really extremely like hermetic. Yeah. Like I love your quarter because of that. Even though it's not meant to be like hermetic, but it's like just it's a good joke. What is, it? <laughs> what is hermetic? So the, yeah, the, yeah, like yeah. the art spaces like in like house. in neighborhoods. Yeah, they're like uh, yeah. people never dare to enter. Yeah. So, uh, but we also, we also, feel that, yeah. we feel that too. Yeah, we, yeah, we also talk about that. That's also partly why we painted the floor, for example, because we, we also deal with people, loads of people walking by and not entering. Like there's like yeah. a really big, especially uh, in the weekend, it's really busy actually. But it's really rarely that 
someone just come in as yeah. if they were going in that shop. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also what the teenager tried to tackle. <laughs> yeah, the teenagers are like, yeah, they're like highlighting this part, yeah. which is like actually also uncomfortable, like, because yeah. it's true. It's yeah. Like, this is not, there's not so much, like, there is stuff for them, but like, it's not direct, it's not directed towards them and also towards the people there, but we just want them to come, kind of, but we don't make we're things still, specifically for them, which yeah. I also don't think we have to do. No. But but it does happen that people yeah. walk in and they're like, oh, what, what's going on? Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, definitely. Yes. But yeah, yeah, the door is. We just don't get as much visitors as like over time or something. The real try to keep that. Well, it's quite funny that they um, there's always this question of how how do you uh, invite the neighborhood around or a sort of community that doesn't maybe usually go to art shows and it's also often requirement when it comes to funding. But then a lot of big institutions with a lot of money are struggling with that a lot. And they're in a shopping mall. It's quite a funny space. In our own exhibition, we didn't really know exactly who to invite and how because it's on an industrial terrain also so, uh, it's not always residential or very inviting from the beginning but also talks like i think it is interesting to problematize that project spaces do not need necessarily to engage a community because of that it's a job of something that is institutionalized of course it is open for everyone but it is uh, labor, it's labor to mediate a conversation with, with people who are probably not interested in this kind of processes. So I think what they're like moving around and for instance for some of them that are really interested in like how to make things happen or work with communities know that this is a like another labor super different than the one that happens mm -hmm. in a project space that is looking for like facilitate spaces and moments for artists itself so yeah that's what i'm wondering about does butu feel like they're creating some sort of community in that sense mm -hmm. do you feel there's also some kind of community community that is slowly building with people that come and show and and public that often comes to to your shows is it somehow i do you feel that with all those people you're starting to expand and become like yeah, a body of people together. I definitely felt Butu getting more as like kind of an entity that is like that that is like really existing outside of just me knowing that it exists kind of just through like the Instagram and like getting just like people like saying like oh I love Butu, you know, like when people say that I'm like, Whoa, that's cool, like that's like people do say that. And then, <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that. Yeah, but like, yeah, also to me, or like, I don't know, but that's, it's kind of real. Like, I, that, those moments are like really important, I think. And also, just, yeah, simple stuff by like just getting people that none of us know come to an opening or something, you know, or like pass by. Like, it's like slow, maybe, but I do feel like. But also just acknowledging their own community, it's. Like, if, if you start with your expanded community, that's really, like, also something really valuable from this. Mm -hmm. Even if it doesn't expand to new heads or new, like, viewers, you have a headquarter for immediately your own community and that. Yeah. 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 And, and I, mean, I have, there are a few people I can think of that have, like, come to one show because it's a friend of theirs or something, and then they've come back. To another show that I don't yeah. know if they know the person, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. because they know it's here. I feel like if we want to have like more people that we don't know coming, but I feel like actually, from if I think of the purposes we did at the beginning, it's also just to have like to just keep the people we know close to us and also to keep this com community we already build, like by art school close and know what they're doing and not lose the contacts. I feel that was also one of the points. Mm -hmm. So I think that the the whole process that Butu has been having with this space is our understanding what is the reach 
of their own community and how it does like build up and exist which might not be a community when you're inside of an academy and you have a community so what happens when you come out is this a community that goes to your project space or it expands itself so i think they're learning on the go it expands itself uh, one by one and also us reaching out to them going there and so on is part of that and i think that makes a lot of sense for something which is a lot of project spaces are um process based mm -hmm. i guess instead of output based mm -hmm. um which i don't know can which has its own uh, um space in the cultural scene but how do they bring people in to see their shows to visit their performances well i like sometimes i do i do think that it's all right to have less people but people who are actually going by interest that bring a lot of people who are not going to like really reach or at least bring a lot of people because it's a place that you can drink a beer because have like a big percentage of self-organization it is based on like hanging out and drinking beers and like being around because it, it is a cheap place to like be around and like have conversations out what you do like in a more kind of abstract way of thinking. So it's also a way of just being together. Yeah, totally. Through enjoying company. It's also how we started. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a party where people have to go because you put a lot of effort on it. Let's ask them. Mm -hmm. Did you talk about amongst yourselves how you want to bring people here, how parties uh, and beers and so on relate to the work that you are doing? Uh, we sell beers there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, we do try to not make it too party, I think. Yeah, like, yeah. We, we do ask people to keep it until 10, actually, which is like not super late at all. Yeah. Um, also, considering that we're on the crack and we had problems with the neighbors before, and that we almost got kicked out. And yeah, we feel like we, are, we do have to be careful and we are sharing a studio space with other artists. So far we had mostly exhibitions of like one weekend and not really like now for the new open call we are also inviting people to organize concerts or one night, one evening event. They're making use of a space that they don't have real ownership over uh -huh, which uh -huh. is a big anyway a big problem for artists yeah. in Amsterdam. Space yeah, yeah, is a super yeah. precarious thing and then you're not allowed to do many different things and you have to be very careful and you have to kick people out and disrupt maybe even the flow of your own program. Exactly. And I think that there is something like the really dangerous of like these agreements and also with this thing of like making it serious because like there is like neighbors and people are not going to be taken serious, but people are ignoring that like itself, the whole idea of being together and not like closing the things brings people together and makes conversations happen and make like con communities become so i think that they're that they can be in kind of a hustle because it is such a fragile and precarious state in the one that they are so it's like yeah we don't have parties because we're gonna get kicked out but maybe if we open until 10 no one's gonna come so it's like it's always like a little bit on the on the failure side, mm. even though I don't think they fail. I think a lot of people actually are going to this space. It represents something different. Yeah, it's not about failure, but it is about fragility, as you said. Uh, yeah, but a failure yeah, definitely yeah. it is yeah. because they're scared of like not getting there. It's not like failure itself, like oh you failed and this is wrong, but it is like the constant fear of failing in what they're supposed to do. That maybe they don't even know what it is what they're supposed to do. They know what they cannot do, but they don't know what they're supposed to do. That's what I think. Mm. But then this uh, question of space, which I mean, we all know is problematic in Amsterdam. And I think one of the reasons also to to move or to reach out to Rotterdam, see what is going on there and uh, what the playground mm -hmm. uh, is for artist run spaces. 
um, has to do with this question, is it different there? Is it specifically Amsterdam that's kind of closing up in a way that uh, yeah. makes us all so heavily precarious when it comes to having spaces to organize? So in Rotterdam, we specifically went to two initiatives that do it in completely different ways. Yeah. One that more or less owns the space, no matter how small and funky it is, uh, a shed in a backyard, which is Peach, and Galerie uh, de Jaloezie that don't have their own space, that are nomadic. And uh, and they actually never really function as space-based, but they were more thought as a platform for programming audiovisual content. So whatever, like, evolved through that. That is what Galerie de Jaloezie is or adds to the list of what it is. So let's start with the uh, Peach Rotterdam, mm -hmm. the shed we went there. Mm -hmm. It was cute. It was really cute. It was. I think it was a super like it was an um, amazing experience to just be in this kind of like secret space that you were able to get in. Also, when we were going there, we saw like a really like a lot of empty uh, spaces around the city, and we were creating like a hole like ideal imaginary in our heads while we were walking there where is it located yeah now we're like uh, then i got this house um and this uh shed was here so i yeah i kind of always dreamed of having a shed actually as an art space so when i found this thing it was kind of like perfect and uh, made me want to yeah move in here and uh, how did they start making shows Yeah, so in the beginning, I mean, the first show, for example, was like, uh, I was like telling my friends, hey, I want to start this, I want to start this, then like a really good friend of mine was like, hey, I want to do the first show. And then, so that just happened like that. And then he made some, the show was called Small Goals, and he made some tiny paintings um, that he was baking <coughs> in the oven. And so you have a show like this, so like just these very small paintings. And the program and like the, the result of the show was not really, just happened through friendship, I suppose. I think that there was like the nice thing of, of Peach at the beginning or was that it just started just to make things happen and to kind of like start activating like an environment that was a little bit like resembling an island because as we talked with Gitlam, he was saying that being part of a Dutch art scene for a lot of international students that roam around becomes like kind of strange so it is like it was interesting to like learn how how it started and how it has moved around and how it does like what in general, all of the logistics of owning something or like mediating something. And did their financial conditions influence the kind of programming that they were preparing for the for the space? As soon as I entered uh, the subsidy kind of like scenario, it kind of forced me to like articulate what uh, this is about or what I want it to be about and then came a bit closer to my own interest. And so I made this program called Center for the Mumble, which was basically a program within Pitch, which is uh, about this kind of auto-fiction. I, I thought it was really nice how uh, Gisela was talking about uh, um, the um, having to formulate things for funding, not as an uh, oppressive thing that you have to kind of uh, dance for but as a way to reflect on what you really want, formulate it and make a next step. So. Yeah, I think I think all of like what we have seen from these spaces are the different moments of organization. Like Butu is completely like beginning, like trying to keep independency. Then Peach is okay, now we have to survive from this. And then we have to make something out of it. And then how are we going to like commit to understand what we're doing in an environment like this and with the conditions of a place like this. Yeah, I wonder about uh, does the size matter in self-organization and what would be the size of a network of Peach? Did it change like how you work with people? Did you have to go out and make whole new networks to kind of 
find these artists or no because like I'm such a small structure that I can hide and actually hack you know like if I want to I could go to like whatever do a trip and pay with subsidies and find a way to like you know nobody would notice actually so um, it didn't change exactly it's more like a subtle thing where well, maybe it became a bit more like work, actually, and also it became that I need it because it's also my income. So what is Peach uh, personally looking for through self-organizing? You kind of like reached to a level that it like, okay, this is what I can do. Mm -hmm. And this is like the capacity that I have. Yeah. So it takes a lot, another pace and another way to go mm -hmm. in somewhere i wouldn't mind also i mean i like paying people by the way also this is actually before paying myself this is also why i started because uh, i felt like people need to be paid even yeah. though you know it's not maybe but uh, you paid fr from the beginning or um we how was it no there was nothing and then there was a little bit like we managed to get some little you know like here sometimes like neighborhood projects you can get like a couple of thousand mm -hmm. for a couple of projects or 500 here mm -hmm. so we did a bit like that and then i also used my own money at some point mm -hmm. uh to pay actually but that was maybe for a year and then yeah um but yeah, but uh, but it's small, you know. That's yeah. also the thing. You can do a show like with not too much and um, not too much logistics as well, like um, okay. because it's small. So and since it's part of your house, you don't have to pay extra for yeah. the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe the reason why I'm doubting is also because I arrived somewhere that I wanted, mm -hmm. and I'm also a little bit panicking about how what's next step yeah a little bit i suppose and so um if i project myself looking at like so if he wasn't here and i'm seeing this somewhere else maybe i'd be like fuck you got it you know but then how do you on a personal level how do you i often like i'm very thankful when like friends tell me oh wow it's so cool what's happening you know like uh, in a genuine way um, because yeah, people don't say it so much, and I also understand. Like sometimes I see a wonderful exhibition, and I would not necessarily like write it with the artist or like. Uh... So yeah, there is um, one time I had this conversation with a friend who's like uh, doing more like theater performance, and she was talking about the feedback that she gets. That's much more rewarding. Can I come back to this question about uh, the MoMA? Actually, um, would it do more if it was in the MoMA? bigger more people see the work would it do more if it was in a moment than if it was in a small artist-run space in a backyard in rotterdam i like i would say i i would i i would never go for it like this idea of going to the institutions at all like honestly it, it is like what is interesting of self-organized things is that there are ways of resistance of course the system eats everyone alive and they have like five year <laughs> max of li life and it's fine. <laughs> but at least they lived during five years. And like there is this interesting thing out like positioning yourself through resistance and also through a way of surviving and existing because making art public or making like processes of art, of culture public as your own thing as a, and, and as a matter of your urgency becomes a much more like well revolutionary way of doing things like but what do you mean by doing more um but also just in these uh, um institutional i guess uh quantifications of how we show art how many people are going to come mm. who are these people who are going to come are the right people going to come you know are we going to reach new audiences uh, what is the cost per person who comes and sees it there's a lot of quantification going on yeah. then of course moma obviously or any other slightly bigger institution wins on all of those requirements um but so do you think that every artist run space um in a way just by existing is a space of resistance of course 100 percent like all of these quantifications are a way of like 
giving numbers to like yeah. something symbolical that shouldn't have like numbers because it is a capitalist way of doing things. If things become like this, it becomes ex exactly like an alienating exercise of becoming an institution. That was a problem that we talked in our first conversation and symposium. But it's like, why does the Netherlands tend to institutionalize project spaces? Or people have institutionalized brains and they, just because they have a website, become an institution. Like, which is not them becoming an institution, but the people who sees them, imagines them as an institution because there is no a space for a spontaneity that much here in Amsterdam, not in Rotterdam. Rotterdam is more chill, but like Amsterdam is a little bit like with <laughs> stick in their ass. But do you have any last question for Peach? Of course I do. Tell it. Uh, is, there, is there any internal doubting from Gisla and Peach or like in Peach as an organization? This idea of progression also is really embedded is in this like institutional yeah, thing, yeah. like the growth, you know, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like we don't need to grow, we can stay yeah, doing exactly, the same. Exactly, exactly, yeah. But also, do we grow upwards towards the sun? Do sense. we grow the roots <laughs> into the system yeah, and yeah, we yeah. interconnect? Well, uh, there is a two pitch was amazing, yeah. but it was fun. It was, it was really, really refreshing as a as a thing for us. And then we went to eat really good food, really good food. But I do think that like there was a lot of particular questions that 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 were discussed with them. And it is interesting to see a, a space in that place of evolution, because I think Peach has around, I don't know, like six years alive, which is a lot. So a lot of things have happened. Pass the five-year plan. Yeah, pass the five-year plan. Congratulations. Good for them. But they're actually looking for people to start co collaborating with them. And they endorsed like that question. Like if people wanted to reach out and do things with them, mm -hmm. they're open for that. Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing some kind of a show or event there one time because it's such a strange space, such a small shed that feels like it's in the mountains somewhere. Yeah. Uh, not a white cube. I'm really curious what it looks like. And also to mention they have a workshop space in the back, actually a dark room for photography or also in the garden. So it looks like an really old west bar. Do like a, a old theme um, broke back, broke back mountain party there. <laughs> it would be amazing. <laughs> Looking forward. Looking, I will Me too. You. It would be my proposal for Peach. Somewhere in the five-year year plan. <laughs> for seventh that anniversary. <laughs> so the last space that we visited was Galerie Jalousie. And we went to the house of Ana Vera, who opened her house, which actually was the first space for this initiative. So... Um, We're all really jealous of her house. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> But who is behind the uh, <laughs> Galerie de Jalousie and how did they start? My name is Anne-Vera Veen and together with uh, my friend Gijs van der Meer, who couldn't be here today, unfortunately, uh, we started Galerie de Jalousie. Um, by now, it's a collective for film and audiovisual art, but um, yeah, we, it started actually, we both studied visual anthropology, that's how we know each other, and after we graduated, we kind of fell in this dark pit, like, oh, we still, we wanted to, you know, continue to have this fertile ground to watch films and discuss them together and to be inspired and inspire each other. So around this time, I moved from Leiden, where we studied, to Rotterdam, and I found this place where I live. And well, since it's so spacious, we were like, oh, we have to organize something, we should do something. So um, through, I don't know, I, I guess Gijs at the time was working at a like, construction company and they had to empty buildings sometimes so they had a lot of rubbish and then he found this screen somewhere in a container 
and I had Beamer still and we were like, okay, we have everything we need to organize <laughs> film screenings. Uh, so we started doing that on Sunday evenings. Um, and then, well, obviously we were unemployed, so we had a lot of time to think about <laughs> <laughs> which films we were going to screen and then to email the filmmakers for like a screener and uh, yeah, we invited people through a WhatsApp group, but this WhatsApp group was also growing and growing because I everybody that I met, I just added to the WhatsApp group. And um, yeah, every Sunday I would cook or we would cook together and then eat together and then have the screening here. It was always like, 10, maximum 15 people, I think. <coughs> and then discuss the film afterwards. So yeah, that's actually how it started. But does the uh, Galerie de Jalousie has a curatorial vision? We are also still looking for, you know, what is our curational vision? I think it's also a little bit bullshit if you are like, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah, with each event, we think about it again and maybe we, we adjust a bit and maybe we know it a little bit more after we have organized it. Yeah. So it's in the making totally, yeah. like it's learning how do you go. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe it's important to say, because I think we have kind of two things that we focus on like one is you know if we really have an activity where we program films we would we would look for these kind of films or works um, but then another thing that we find really important is to have a kind of accessible fun just do it DIY approach yes. to making audiovisual work which is why we do the 48 hour uh, which is why we do open calls for like work in progress works and yeah so that's another thing like for example with the space when we did the open call we didn't want to be like super highbrow and only selecting the you know amazing things we thought it's really important for people to also exhibit when they're not yet completely satisfied or So I think that it was interesting for us to bump to um, up self-organized space or like initiative that was based on film and to like unveil all of like the myths of like what is film or what is this audio audiovisual like self-organized spaces. And I think that they, they were really clear out how they were being super playful like how they curate and that they actually do not curate movies they do like more audiovisual projects so that is kind of like a way that they intertwine with like visual art mm -hmm. and film like audiovisual art and films and i think that was like kind of like refreshing to see all their processes yeah for me the question of film was interesting because um we talk a lot about self-organization versus institutions and, and how they intertwine or not and so on. But in the case of film, as Anna Vera at some point said, it is an industry even more than we are used uh, to from the art world. Um, they even cannot just program certain films because then they have to pay royalties and so on. It um, shows an even bigger institu institutionalization or commercialization than we are used to or than our work consists of. And I think that it, it is interesting because they're placing or like what they're reproducing are things that do not enter to this kind of like a scheme. So they're like thinking on other ways to another type of content to offer. What do they offer to the city with their programs? So yeah, we've been trying to find our place a little bit between also the cinema and the, f the film industry, which is very much an industry, and then more the art scene, which is functions in a very different way. And then within this liminal space, you know, how do we relate to these other collectives and initiatives that are already existing? And yeah, I think 
like by now. I think we have quite different audiences actually and a quite different approach. So we don't, yeah, we also know each other and we're, you know, we come to each other's events and I think we're very complimentary. So, yeah. So it is quite expanded, like the programming within the city of Rotterdam of Jalousie. Like they have uh, reached different places. And I think that is something that happens when you don't have a space. And when you do not depend on like a physical space, you have to like find places to exist. And I think for film, it becomes like a little bit more easy because it is a s more simple setup that you can move around with. And that has shown like a lot how they've been moving around and how they have used this capacity of making alliances, I think, with different like scenarios or institutions. And is it possible for them to hack the institutions from the inside when they collaborate with them? I think it's possible to hack institutions from the inside, um, but you need an environment that's open for conversations about okay. how to um, work with different temporalities, different uh, ways of communication, uh, different, you know, expectations. Because I feel like knowing the institutional world a little bit, okay, so you start a project, you have a set amount of hours that you can spend on this project, right? Set amount of working hours, you cannot go over it because then it's unpaid. Then uh, you have some criteria, you know, it needs to be communicated, photographs, blah, blah, logos everywhere. And you make, okay, so already four months before the start of the project, you hand in your funding application and then you get it. And then you have these and these promises that you have to take. So then when, as an institutional worker, you start working with this, you know, grassroots initiative, you notice that maybe it didn't go according to planning because you already have your like half a year before you already write wrote down I'm gonna do this and this and this and this but then it's a different temporality than the group that you try to work with and I think institutions sometimes forget that they have to show flexibility because okay. they want to work they are the ones who want to work with this grassroots mm -hmm. initiative and want to you know what what you say like kind of leaning into this uh energy that's so sexy Ooh, people doing it from you know their heart and not because it's their job and yeah did you have uh, doubts about whether or not you should start collaborating with institutions from galerie jaloezie yeah um no well i mean uh well, we're in the process, of course, uh, of reflecting. And um, in the in the case with the new institute, I didn't have doubts because I think it's a really nice program. But if we would be approached and I would have the feeling like, oh, you just want to have, you know, picture, picture, picture. And then like, look how underground we are. Then Tokenizing <laughs> underground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's important to, you know, kind of feel the mm -hmm. yeah case by case yeah and there was a case actually that i can tell about that um what we when we had the space um an institute approached us and they wanted to do something in the space they had a, some kind of a weekend and they were it was something like with an audiovisual project and then maybe we can exhibit it for this weekend and and we were like okay that's cool like let's do a collab but they were very fierce and no, we don't want it to be a collab um, because I don't know, not possible because of rules and criteria. Then we're like, okay, fine. Then we're gonna charge rent because you know, you have so, so many millions because if you don't wanna make it a collab, then it, it, you're renting oh, yeah. out the space, right? That's then. Yeah. And then they didn't, they didn't want that either. So then we just said no, because I thought that was a bit stupid. Like, okay, so you want to associate yourself with this, you know, anti-squat space that doesn't have heating and like, who cool. You don't want to associate, associate yourself with us, but you also don't want to pay proper. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, like <laughs> any other space that you would rent, you would pay a thousand euros a day no. to rent it out or something. So, yeah. 
Because you completely take attention away from you. Well, we had to literally clear it out for the so, and there was no money. So then, I mean, it's not that we wanted money; we just wanted to work together in a yeah, cool way. Exactly. But then, if that's not possible, then okay, then we want money. <laughs> so then we can do it. our things. We and you yeah, know, yeah, pay totally. our people, and yeah. I think that that what I was more interested about what she was like placing was that she was around like a community of audiovisual initiatives that were supporting each other and were giving like visibility to each other. That there was one in Den Haag, one in Amsterdam. So what would be their network of support? Yeah, yeah. really good question. Um, yeah, we do have that. Um, okay, I think it's impossible to name all the people that you know we we exchange uh, with so it's not an exhaustive link but uh, for example uh, there is this I call it sister cinema collective in The Hague what you see is what you get and uh, we got in touch and we are very much you know on the same level and the same vision and uh, some time ago they asked us if we wanted to have their cinema chairs that they are you know they don't need anymore so this is something really practical um then yeah we talked with other initiatives we talked a lot about you know funding and how we should position ourselves um for example in maastricht there's video power and yeah it also started as just connecting with each other without, you know, having any needs or something, but then you kind of become friends as collectives. <laughs> like, who are you? You're, you are like me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be friends. And then, yeah, so they, they got this funds a couple of times. So they send us their application from a previous year for us to, you know, look into. So that, that was really generous of them. Um, Within Rotterdam, we have a lot of people who cross-post our things. The collaboration that we have with Geile Café, it's not just using the space because, like, it's it's really from you know a friendship and uh, an urge from them that they want to have this in Geile Café. So uh, it's it's a lot more than that. Yeah, and then. Really, there we had so many really nice exchanges. We also had a, uh, we borrowed some cinema chairs from Lantaarnvenster. Right now, we work with uh, Willem de Koning and um, people, you know, offering to do some graphic design because they, you know, are just trying things out and they think it's cool to, you know, have this platform also. So, yeah really endless positive exchanges mm. yeah i think that we have also spoken uh, to spaces in general and you know everybody who we spoke to that are actually not so um extremely aware of everything in the whole landscape of these artist-run spaces in the city because mm -hmm. they are putting so much work effort labor into um setting up what they need to set up and invite having their own audience and so on that for me it was it's an interesting contrast uh, with Galerie Dialuzi that this effort and labor is directed at making these networks mm -hmm. at understanding everything which is happening in the city and connecting to it in order to be able to move around to have space and so on so they are very aware of uh, the the infrastructure, cultural uh -huh. infrastructure of the city. I have a, uh, Mariana, actually, I have a question for you because we all started, um, I don't know, we, we were all interested in, in self-organization uh, and how other initiatives do it, also not to reinvent the wheel and to kind of share and exchange and map the landscape um, of of something that we also want to do and that we are interested in. And from the beginning that we work together, um, you often said that compared to your experience of self-organizing in Bogota, that at least Amsterdam, uh, maybe the Netherlands in general, is has a quite individualistic, maybe hierarchical art world that is uh, less self-organized, less spontaneous. 
I'm wondering now that we spoke to the people in the symposium, to these seven, eight or nine artist initiatives and to the ones that we have discussed today, did it change any way in which you looking at it now that we've spoken to them? I think that it's not, I think that it has evolved. It hasn't changed. I think that there is like a, this thing that of individualized realities that it's really present, not necessarily individualistic people, but realities where an individual is completely submerged on like their daily life and doing, which blocks a lot the building of, of like communities that are more like a spontaneous itself. I felt in Rotterdam there was much bowliness, definitely, even if I was if I was called an idealizing Rotterdam. But I think that there is a thing of this system that it's like there is like there is a necessity but it's not a primal necessity when self organization in other places if it doesn't exist, there is no art scene. So it is this thing like, yeah, they're not spaces, but if you also write, you can get a space in mm. some sort of institution. Like there's always like this kind of lump that it like, I'm not gonna deeply go in there because there is always a chance to like be shown in the right places, which I find a little bit sad because people are gonna get bored of that or, or they're gonna move to Berlin because people do not stay in the Netherlands so much. Truth, facts. Is so Berlin still the place? Uh, what? <laughs> Is Berlin still the place we And the people to? love to e love to struggle in Berlin. At least they can party. I thought now we're just going to Rotterdam. I'm going to move to Rotterdam. <laughs> See you there, Peach. <laughs> Is there something that can still be gentrified by us in Rotterdam? No, I think I think I think that 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 it's important to just try to keep going. I know that it's difficult. But it is the only way to like do things. It's actually like a nicer way to things, self-organizing. Yeah, and somehow maybe collecting all this information and talking to all these people, we yeah, we find interest in self-organization, uh, self but we also want to find ways of supporting all this self-organization and maybe uh, stimulate people to do it because it's, it's important. Yeah, just so new things happen and like... We can have every two weeks things happening that are like diversifying the people who are doing and thinking around because there is so many voices that can just make things happen on their own. Even things can happen in a bar, and like any any sp any space is the place to like any type of like any scam thing, any scam, any scam, any scam, <laughs> any scale, any scam. Yeah, totally. This is the end. There will be more. I don't know. Four months change. <laughs>